Hi everyone, this is Florence Bremer. Welcome to another week of the Bonafide Legal Podcast. I'm an attorney in Phoenix. I'm also a mother, a wife, a movie enthusiast, fan of a great deal, amateur restaurant critic, follower of many television shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall lover of popular culture. Thank you for joining me. This week, I'm going to talk about some new time management tips. And these were, I know everyone is used to me talking about them. And this week, they were especially on my mind. I've had two weeks of constant travel. In the last 14 days, I was on the road for 10 of them. I had my cruise. I had Halloween Horror Nights. And I also had a trip to New Orleans for a conference. I'm back as of Friday night. It's good to be back. I don't have any travel planned for the future. And I feel kind of good about it. I'm used to having a trip about every month or every other month. And based on my trial schedule, I'm pretty sure I won't have anything until the beginning of 2019. And I feel like that's okay with me. Um, Travel is hectic, and for Halloween Horror Nights, we were going for a quick weekend, and my flight was canceled. We sat down in the American Lounge to go on Saturday afternoon to show up Saturday night and go to Halloween Horror Nights and come back in the afternoon. So I sit down with the girls. I had my daughters and my niece. We sit down at the lounge. We start, you know, getting cheese and water and the little snacks and stuff and I get a text on my watch and it says your flight is canceled I've actually never had that happen to me before so the lady at the lounge came and looked for me right away like she got to me before I got to her I think she remembered me because I had just checked in I checked in with the girls you know we're kind of like a big group and rowdy so she came and found me and she's like hey your flight's canceled but I can get you on a flight to LAX. I was not thrilled, obviously, about LAX. LAX is a pain in the butt when you're trying to do anything in Burbank or Hollywood. You're about an hour away, even though it's only about 13 miles. So she got us on the flight to LAX. We ended up getting a a much, much late start than we anticipated, but we got to Halloween Horror Nights and we had a great time. This is my second year of doing Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. Every year, I didn't realize this, I thought they would repeat mazes, but they do new mazes every year, and the mazes this year included specifically the movie Halloween 4. I thought that was like super specific. That was a fun one. They did Universal Monsters, so they did the old-fashioned Frankenstein and Dracula. That ended up being our favorites. Uh, they did Stranger Things. That one was okay. Um, they did uh, Blumhouse movies, and they did Unfriended and Truth or Dare, which are two movies that I like quite a bit. So that was a fun one. They did Poltergeist poltergeist that was fun it was just fun we had a great night um so I was home Sunday exhausted like so 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 tired and I was back on a plane on Wednesday so what did I have to do on Monday and Tuesday 
two days in the office before I was gone for three days. Well, it was a super hustle for me. Luckily, my Monday hearing was vacated. And because I had a hearing scheduled on Monday, I didn't have meetings scheduled. So I just worked and worked on Monday. I was also supposed to go to the chiropractor and the eye doctor on Monday and Tuesday. And I decided, hey, you're there for two days. This isn't going to work. So I canceled both of those appointments. These are things I really need to do. I do not generally recommend this. As you know, in my time management tips, I recommend making sure that you do your appointments, the stuff that's for you, massages, that sort of thing. In fact, I have a massage scheduled in one hour and my hips are killing me. My back's been killing me. It's been a lot of time on plane rides and sleeping in beds that I don't recognize and just, like I said, exhausted. Um, so I have to just get back on track. That's what my next couple of months are going to be. And I'm sure in the next few months, as I'm talking about uh, my schedule, I'll be talking about tips on how I'm dealing in this week. I looked at my schedule until Christmas. It is nonstop, including a two-week trial thrown into there. So something that I did um, while I was traveling, I read a book. I checked out a book from the library. It was on the library app, which everyone knows I love because you can get the electronic books. I have a bigger iPhone, so it's pretty comfortable for reading. Although, like I said, I also like to check out physical books too. It just makes me feel like a person to hold an actual book instead of holding a device all the time. But the book I checked out and read pretty continuously while I was in California and then uh, on my way to New Orleans was a book called Eat That Frog. And it's by a man named Brian Tracy. And he goes around the country speaking and then writing books. This book was really good. I felt like it was someone speaking to me directly. Like what he was talking about was how we have so much on our plates and we'll have all these reading materials that we can never get to and we'll have all these continuing legal education things for our careers and even things just stacked up on our DVR and telephone messages at work and personal telephone messages and personal emails and business emails and it's just all over and you cannot think I'm going to get this all caught up and the tips that I generally do I actually try to do that I try to make sure I have no emails like right now and this is driving me crazy a little bit my email inbox is a mess I've been working on the road so I just kind of get to emails as I can get to them and I haven't cleaned out my inbox so it's overflowing and over the next few days as I'm returning calls um, this won't be something that will be um, something I really can get to because Tuesday I have court I have three court hearings and then Wednesday I have a trial so I'm really going to have to say to myself focus on what's important and that's what eat that frog is about the phrase comes from 
um, kind of a a kitschy little phrase of doing the most unpleasant or urgent task first. And that's your frog. Because obviously, if you had to eat a frog, that would be disgusting and hard. So if you can do that first, that's how you should set your priorities. So this book is about setting priority, prioritize. Sorry, setting priorities. So I've been super behind on emails, mails, phone calls the last couple of weeks, which in a way sort of drives me crazy. This is sort of an aside. I haven't been out of the office really. The only days that I was really out was this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I stayed in constant touch with my staff. And then the Friday before, I was working, but it was an all-day settlement conference. So I just feel behind. So the first thing I have to do is worry about trial prep. If I have a trial coming up, get it done. And then the phone calls will come next. And then I think the email's third. So that's what the book was saying. Find your most unpleasant task, your most urgent task. Swallow that frog. Do it first. And I really, really had to do this. In the last two weeks, I couldn't do my regular schedule of kind of coming in, taking care of my emails, making sure my inbox was clean, and then getting to what I needed to do. I really, really had to plan for the future. This book talked about how much there is to do and how impossible it is to get everything done. Like I said, it talks about like all these materials we have, all this thing that all these things that are vying for our attention. Uh, one thing that I have that's very big is all my family lives around me. I used to not have this for years. It was just my husband and I and our two girls before we had our third girl. And it felt less hectic. We had some family, you know, uh, in Phoenix in the East Valley, but they were far away that we didn't feel obligated to see them all the time. Well, now my mom and dad are out here, and my brother's out here with his children. My sister-in-law's out here. Everyone's kids are kind of grown, except for my littlest one, Maggie. Uh, so we're not having like a lot of children's activities, but we just have a lot of family. My father-in-law moved out here a few weeks ago. So we just have everyone here and I'm just pulled in a lot of directions from family in a good way. I love everybody. I want to be with them, but it's also impossible to get everything done. Next to my bed, I have magazines, books, then I have stuff in the DVR. This is what Eat That Frog talks about. You have too much of everything, and in a sense, you have to let it go. That, for me, is really hard. I want to do everything. I want to read everything. I want to be up to date on everything. If it piles up, I'm stressed. This book really helped me a lot. So I took some tips that I want to share with everyone, and I developed tips from those tips. Number one, plan every day in advance. I've talked about this a lot in the past. I have my multiple calendar system. On my New Orleans trip, I did something a little bit different. I added a weekly calendar to my monthly and daily calendars and my notebook. And the weekly calendar, because I was going to be gone for a few days, also had stuff about running my 
household and my office from the road. If you take about 10 to 15 minutes every day to plan, you'll save hours in the future. This is not something that I just believe. It is something that I live. I will, if I have like a couple of minutes, um, say waiting for a doctor's appointment or before a court hearing starts, rather than maybe take something out on my phone and scroll through some emails or start texting people, I'll pull out my calendar and think about it for the rest of the week. You know, what can I do? I have these five or 10 minutes. What can I do that will really help me? Another thing to do on your calendar is to schedule blocks of time for work. This is so hard for me because what I used to do in the past was if someone called me for an appointment and if they said, hey, can I come in Monday at four o'clock? And if it was open, like technically open, if I didn't already have an appointment or if I didn't have court, I would fill them in. What that meant was my schedule was all over the place. I might have early morning meetings. I might have late meetings. Um, I was doing Saturday meetings, which were extremely bumming me out. I had no weekend time. I would have Saturday night after working all day and doing meetings and then Sunday. And then Sunday is always hard because for me, I think about the week ahead. You know, maybe plan. I'm not like a big meal planner. I know people are great about doing menus and that sort of thing. But I just sort of think about what I have in my freezer and if I need to do any shopping, things like that. Um, If I was scheduling every single second, I couldn't do this. And it was really, really driving me crazy. So you need blocks of time to work. So sometimes what I'll try to do is if when I start scheduling meetings, like if someone calls me and I start like on a Monday morning track, I'll keep it up with Monday morning. Like I'll try to schedule any meetings that I have on Monday morning. Sometimes people cancel. So I'll kind of squeeze them close together and then just try to do them all at the same time so that I have Monday morning, I'm sorry, Monday afternoon free. And I'll do that in, in other ways too. Like I might schedule a couple things in the morning and a couple things in the afternoon and then use the midday to go to a breakfast place and get some work done. Another tip was to have different lists for different purposes. I have so many lists. I carry a notebook with me and in the notebook I have, and I also have lists on my desk too at work. I have lists for work. I have lists for the weekend. I put post-its on my calendar, which contains lists. Those are usually errands. I have lists for travel, um, and I have lists for, like a to-do list for trials and cases. Another rule that this book had, which is something that I have a really, really hard time with, because in my mind, I want to do the opposite of what the recommendation is. The rule in the book was resist the temptation to clear up the small things first. There may be things that you have where you're like, okay, I have some emails to answer and I have a little pile of mail and I have a couple telephone messages and it's really easy to say, I'm going to clear these up first. Here's what happens to me, at least. I start to clear them up and the next thing I know, it's 2 p.m. And I haven't hit my big task. I haven't hit the frog yet. 
So I had read this book and had this tip. And last Monday, I had trial prep and I had prep for hearings for the next week. And I had two days before I had to leave again. So I really, really had to focus. So I closed my email. I did, a lot of times what I did was I did my emails at night when I was at home. This isn't great because you're not relaxing at night. But I would usually have the TV going on in the back, you know, something kind of relaxing and light, like The Simpsons, you know, episodes that I've seen before that I wasn't really concentrating on. So it made me feel like I was relaxing in a sense. Um, my husband was in the room, so we were chatting on and off. So it made me feel like I was working, but also uh, getting um, getting some time with my family. I didn't consider this multitasking um, because I wasn't really trying to focus on doing things at once. It was just sort of, I'm getting through some emails while I'm doing some other things. It really, really helped me get through Monday and Tuesday and get my trial work done. When I left on Tuesday, I felt so much better than I have felt leaving for other trips. Another thing that the book recommended was consider the consequences if you don't do what you're supposed to do. So if you review your list of tasks, your activities, your projects, you determine the most important ones, and you have this review. And the book would suggest on some days you may need to do an hourly review. My consequences were that I may not be able to get evidence into trial if I'm not turning in my pretrial statement. My client may feel unprepared for the trial. Like I have to get these things done. So it was all done. It was all in. It was all before my trip. So I wasn't trying to do it when I was on the road, which would be impossible. So doing that and doing what I need to do was really helpful. The author calls this practicing creative procrastination. So what I was doing, I was procrastinating. I was putting off different activities that I usually need to do. And in the effect of that was I got done what I needed to do that had a deadline. A trick that he gave, which I use, but I, I use it a little bit differently. So I'll talk about what he does and then kind of what I do. He does the ABCDE method. Mine is almost identical. Mine is the one, two, three, four, five method. Um, I, for some reason, I like the numbers better than the letters. Um, just the, it being the chronological with the numbers, maybe like, because numbers are associated with time. I'm not sure. I just like it better. And you work it out on paper. If for me, if I don't write it down, I don't remember. It always drives me crazy when I go to a restaurant and, you know, I'll be like 10 or 12 people with my family and we'll be ordering and the waiter doesn't write down anything. About half of the time, which shows you how amazing some of these waiters are, so it's about half of the time they won't get the order right. Like they'll forget somebody's side of ranch or somebody's extra fries or whatever. Um, but for the most part, they'll come out and everything will be perfect. And, and I think I can't, I can't do that. I have to write it all down. Otherwise, it's not getting done. I'd come back with one order for one person and no one else would get any food. 
So there were things last week that I really, really had to set aside. I had to do creative procrastination on them. That was billing, emails, phone calls. And I had to get ready for my trip. I had to make sure these things were done. If I didn't have my trip, things would have been a lot easier. I could have, you know, spread it out over the five days. Couldn't do it. So another tip that I'll do is I set a timer and I have an Apple Watch. And although some of the screens are really cute, like there's a Toy Story screen, screen and there's Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Paris. I set up a Paris one and I love all those. But the one that's on my watch 99% of the time has the date, the time, the weather, my activity levels for the day. It also has a timer. And I will set that timer constantly on so many different things. If I'm working on a project, I'll say, I'm going to shut everything down and work on this solid for an hour. Set the timer on my watch. When the timer is done, it buzzes on my wrist. Or sometimes um, this one I'm not good at and I really, really have to get better on it. I'll have a, say, like a court hearing at 11 which is kind of a weird time. Like you're in the morning, you come in in the morning, you're getting your file ready, but you don't have to be out the door right away. So you have this time where you can do things. So I'll usually set my timer to go off half an hour before I need to leave. I don't set it for when I need to leave because then otherwise I'm still gathering up the files, that sort of thing. I'll set it for half an hour before Because that tells me I need to shut it down. I need to finish what I'm doing and and move on. I'm this still doesn't work for me sometimes. I'll the timer will go off. I will sort of be in the middle of something. Um, like I'll be you know going through emails and all of a sudden I get this email where it's kind of upsetting and it's something I need to answer before I leave and I start answering it and my buzzer goes off and I keep answering it because I figure I have a little bit more time and I look at my watch and I am late I have to get out of there so it's a work in progress for me I have to make sure that when my timer goes off and it's time for me to leave that I follow my own rules Another thing that is recommended by the book and something that I've talked about before and have done for myself is create a comfortable workspace. I have many workspaces and changing it up is something that I do to keep me motivated. My main workspace is my desk. My office is bright and cheery, white desk, red chair, blue walls, pretty art. I know I've talked about my office before, big, boring uh, attorney desk, uh, ugly black chair, and not fun. I now, you know, and I about two years ago, I think it just threw it all away and remodeled it. Went online, the shopping for the stuff was um, very relaxing. It made me excited. It made me excited about my office. And I didn't spend a lot of money. I went on Wayfair and, um, oh shoot, 
There was another one and I can't think of the name of it. And I spent maybe a few hundred dollars. It really, really was not bad and redid the whole office. And it makes me happy to be in there now. I try to keep it, keep it clean. That's hard for me. Coffee cups will pile up. So usually the first thing I try to do is clean the cups off my table. On my desk, I'll make a small stack of the most urgent things. Recently, I purchased a new bookshelf to put smaller files in. So my office, you know, is a work in progress. I was having this area behind and next to my desk where it was just piles. And my assistant, who I've talked about, who's also my sister-in-law, she's like, this is ridiculous. You're stepping on it. You're sliding. You're leaping over these piles to get to your chair. I'm like, I know, I know. I'll get it cleaned up. And um, we picked out, she helped me pick out this little, it's a little bookshelf with like little cubbies. And it's great for those little files. So, um, you know, sometimes you have a file that's just, you know, maybe an inch thick. And you don't set up like a whole big box for it. It doesn't, you know, it's just stuff that you're kind of working on. Um, the millions of things that kind of come and go when you're an attorney, like demand letter stuff, cases that get settled right away, all that sort of stuff that you don't need like a big filing thing for. And this little bookshelf with the cubbies really helped. And I'm not making leaps over piles every day. Um, I have some places at home that I work. I, this is Sunday morning. And this morning I got up early and I went to the dining room table and opened up the drapes, let the sun in. I sat on my porch swing outside for a little bit and read some stuff that needed to be done. This is so crazy. Um, when I got back, I just kept saying to myself, how long was I gone? How long was I gone? I had never had so much mail in my entire life. I went to the office yesterday and um, wanted to grab the mail. Well, actually, I just wanted to go through the mail. I had, it's the end of the month, so I have to do billing. There's things that I needed to do before Monday morning came around. Not my preference, obviously, but when you're out of the office Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you have to make some exceptions. The mail and packages were huge. So I thought, I don't want to sit here for a couple of hours looking through this. So I cut open a box, I threw my mail in it, and I went through my mail at home today and this morning. And um, that was a good call. It, it really helped me to just not feel like I was trapped at the office for the weekend, but was also getting things done. Now I've sorted what I needed to sort throughout the junk and it's ready to go. Like when I go into the office on Monday, I can give certain things to staff members. I can put things on my desk that I need to do right away. I can file things that need to be filed. I'm good to go. I'm golden. Another thing that the book recommends is never stop learning. And my alternative title for my life could be Florence, never stop learning. I go to several seminars a year. As an attorney, I have a 15-hour continuing legal education requirement. I do about 50 to 70 hours per year, and I'll go to seminars that'll be two or three days. The ones that, um, the one that I just went to was a non-capital habeas seminar. 
I know everyone's like, sounds super boring. <laughs> it was actually really good. Um, it's one of those things where it's very detailed work. And it's also not the type of work where you're running into a lot of practitioners who do it. It's sort of specialized. So I went to a two-day seminar where that's all we talked about and then met people over the U.S. who could be resources. So it was worth it. it means I didn't have a whole lot of fun in New Orleans. Um, but that's okay. I've been there plenty of other times. This trip was a little dis bit disappointing because it rained so much when I was there. When I showed up, it rained, so I couldn't go for a walk. I was planning on, I'm going to go for a walk when I get there. Like I landed like at 7 p.m. Like I'm going to walk down Bourbon and, um, oh gosh, uh, Royale. Um, and then there's another one. I, I, I don't really drink, so I like to see the shops and people watch. But it was raining, so it was like, forget it. I'm just going to stay in and, and read. I ended up reading an entire book when I was gone. I'll throw in, I'll do my, some, um, do my, oh my God, I'm calling it a seminar and a webinar. I'll do my podcast a little bit differently. I usually throw the book reviews in at the end, but I read a book called Unnecessary Roughness by Jose Baez. He was the attorney who represented Aaron Hernandez, the ex-Patriots football player in his second murder trial where he's found not guilty. And then he was going to represent him in the appeal of the first trial before Aaron killed himself. This book was amazing. It really made me look at things another way, made me feel invigorated as a trial attorney, how Jose felt about Aaron. There were so many things that you read were negative about this guy. And, um, Obviously, he had demons, and I don't know the truth to whether he killed anyone, but his attorney really believed in him, and seeing his passion in representing him, like, really, really just kind of made me feel like, hey, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing this. The book ended on a very sad, scary note. After Aaron had killed himself, the family and his attorney had his brain taken and studied and he had he was 27 years old and he had a case of I know I'm going to get it get it wrong CTE um the the brain condition that football players get he had the worst case that had ever been seen in someone that age the the Medical examiners were saying it looked like the brain of a 90-year-old. There was lots of holes in his brain. His skull thickness had gone to about half the size. He had been suffering migraines beforehand. And then he had the classic symptoms of someone with this disease, which is impulse control and memory problems and all that sort of thing. So... I love football too, but I was just thinking, oh my gosh, like what can they do? Is, is it really helping that they are not having this helmet to helmet contact anymore? I really hope so because it's just, it's scary and sad, but it's a fascinating book and I recommend it. There was the other book that I had read about him that was written 
written by James Patterson, completely different take on it. So that one, assuming more that Aaron Hernandez was just a bad guy, a bad seed, committed all these crimes, and this one was more sympathetic, and you got to see him as a as a person and a dad and a fiancé, um, brother, son, all that sort of thing. All right. And it was very sensitive to the, to the victims, by the way, um, to the victims of, of, of whether it was um, Aaron, who, again, uh, Mr. Baez believed it was not, or if it was, it was very sensitive to these people. And I thought that was a very, very just good approach and made you feel real good about reading the book. So I recommend it. All right. I'm going to hop back in into the time management tips. Another tip that was given by the book, Eat That Frog, was rethink technology. For a long time, I would keep my cell phone on my desk right next to me. It was a constant distraction. Now when I sit down, and I'd been doing this and not really realizing it, but I was keeping my cell phone in my bag while I was at work. And I noticed someone said, and I'll get I get text on my on my cell phone or on my watch, my Apple Watch, but I don't always see them. So um I noticed someone had said it's not easy to reach her by text because she doesn't look at her cell phone when she's at work. I thought and they weren't saying it in a pejorative way. They were saying it just like that's the fact. And that made me feel good because I knew people were starting to get the inkling of better to email, better to call than to try to text me. Uh, another thing I'll do is I'll work at my conference table. I'll go into the conference room. I'll close the doors. I, I don't have my emails on my laptop, and which is what I work at at the conference table. And... I can get stuff done. During the day, I do not check my personal email account. This is something I can do while I'm cooking at night or watching TV because basically on the personal emails, it's like shopping emails or, you know, that sort of thing. Stuff you do need at times, like you'll get something that'll be something about your airline miles and something where maybe you could get a great deal and you'll need to see them. But I don't need to be checking these every 10 minutes at my office. I can do it at night and go through them all in 15 minutes. This was another tip from the book that I did this time, although it's not a favorite for me. It was work on a plane. <sighs> First of all, if you're in coach, I think it's very, very hard to do that. If you're in coach and you're in a row of three and all three people are there, you don't have any you don't have any room. There's some things that you can do. Like if you have reading materials, that's a little bit easier. You can put them on your lap or put them in the seat pocket in front of you, which is something I actually try never to touch because that seat pocket grosses me out so much. But it is there if you need to, you know, put something in there real quick while you get up and run to the restroom. Sometimes I'll bring a folder of things, um, work that my associates have done, and I need to check 
you know, that sort of thing. But opening the laptop and coach is kind of hard. When I went to New Orleans this time, I used my American miles when I flew to New Orleans. I flew southwest back, but I flew there on American, um, which doesn't have a direct flight, so I stopped in LAX, and they had a great deal on first class. It just wasn't that much. It was just a few thousand more to fly, a few thousand miles more, not dollars, to fly first class than it was to fly coach. And I had thought at the time, I'm like, well, I could actually get some work done. And I did. Um, I worked, I pulled out my laptop and I worked and um, I wrote, um, I read an entire transcript and I wrote some emails that I didn't buy the internet package. I just wrote them and saved them so they could be sent as soon as I got off the plane. And then I um, worked on a motion for summary judgment and had my laptop out and worked on it. So that was all very helpful to me. It helped. It was a longer flight from L.A. to New Orleans. It was just over three hours. So that, I think you can get some work done. A lot of times my flights are to California, so depending on whether it's LA or San Francisco, it's only an hour or two. So it's just not that much time where you can get stuff done. But this time I really was able to do it and get it done. The purpose of the trap of the chapter that this guy wrote was make every minute count. And I try to, you know, I, I try to make sure that I'm leaving time for myself to have unstructured time. I still consider that as part of making every minute count. You can't be scheduled to the minute. I actually used to try this. I used to do this on Saturdays especially. During the week, sometimes I am scheduled every minute. I can't help it. But even that I'm better at. But this is what I used to do on a Saturday. I used to schedule myself every single minute. I would schedule a movie. I would schedule dinner with my family. I had no time where I was just maybe soaking in a tub or piddling around my kitchen or stuff like that. Picking up a stack of magazines, just turning on the TV. All I was doing was following my schedule. It can't be done. It's not sustainable. It burned me out. Um, but I do try to make every minute count where I feel like on Saturday, although it's not always structured time, I'm doing things like if I'm tired, I'm going to bed early. If I'm tired, I'm taking a nap. I'm going to church with my father-in-law. I'm doing stuff that makes it feel like I am a person and not just a lawyer. And you, and you have to be you have to keep your humanity in any job that you have or you just can't be effective at it. As part of the make every minute count and then going back to working on the plane, I actually wrote out the outline for this podcast in my ever-present purse notebook. It was a great time for me to do it. Sometimes for the podcasts, I know maybe people are thinking, do you really plan anything? I actually do. I have an outline 
and I kind of go off the cuff, like I'm not following a script, but I have something that I want to talk about, something that happened to me that week that I want to discuss. And this time I actually had this time where I could not be bothered on a plane. And although I did some work work, I was also able to think about this podcast. And then thinking about the podcast is also for me, thinking about my time management for the future. I'm going to throw in a little star sighting that I did. (laughs) When I was um, flying to New Orleans, there was a quick layover at LAX. It became even quicker because it was um, my plane out of Phoenix was delayed. It just, I don't know, it was set on the runway for a while, something. So instead of having maybe about an hour, we had like about 20 minutes. So I decided to run to the American Lounge. And because I had a first class ticket, I was qualified for the fancier lounge. It was called the flagship lounge. I didn't know what it was. I had never heard of it before. And the lady said, oh, you have, you know, she goes, I'd like to invite you to our flagship lounge. I found out later um, because my sister-in-law looked it up for me because I was like, why was I let in here? It was because of the first class ticket. It had just bottles of booze up on the counter that you could help yourself to. It had fancy um, bottled water. It was actually those boxes of water. Uh, It had Perrier, little cans of soda, just lovely and then it had hot food and sushi and I was like darn I have like five minutes so I put some sushi on a plate and ate it real quick I grabbed some of those boxes of water put it in my bag which really helped me at the hotel um, because I had them for my trip and then also ate something else. I can't remember. Something else that was really delicious. Something on the hot food side. I don't remember. But it was like five minutes in and out. I was so bummed. But when I went in, the comedian Sandra Bernhardt was in there sitting. She didn't look super happy. There were some ladies kind of off to the side taking her picture um, surreptitiously. So I don't think she was super happy about it. Or she was just sitting and looking. I don't know. I don't know her emotions. But I did see her in there and I was like, darn, why couldn't I have had a little bit more time to maybe um, just try to say hello or something? Um, I'm going to end the podcast today with something that I can laugh about now, but a couple days ago, couldn't laugh about it. So on my New Orleans trip, as I mentioned, it rained a lot. It was just raining like crazy. One day I went out to lunch and I borrowed an umbrella from the hotel and it was raining so hard that the bottom of my pants were all wet and my boots were all wet. And I had walked, I mean, it was like a block. It was this restaurant that I love called Country Flame. They serve Mexican and Cuban food, which I know sounds so weird to get in New Orleans, but it's one of my favorite restaurants and they're super friendly And everything just tastes fresh and good. And I thought, I'm just going to run there really quick. Bottom of my legs got soaked. So this was just a lot of sitting around my hotel room. And I was working too. Like like I said, I was keeping up on emails. I was working on a motion for summary judgment. This was a working trip for me. And I stayed at the Hyatt-centric 
in the French Quarter. And it was this great hotel. Like, I loved this hotel. Like, the rooms were gigantic. They had a sofa in them, like a small little love seat and a table. I never turned on the TV the whole time I was in there, so I don't know what the TV selection is. I had a balcony that overlooked the French Quarter. Great big bathroom. Great big king-size bed. I just was enjoying this room. So the second night, I stayed there the first night, no incident. The second night I stayed there, I had a little bit of an incident. And the funny thing was, usually if I stay somewhere that has a balcony, I'll leave the balcony door open the entire time. I didn't this time for a couple of reasons. One, it was kind of humid, kind of humid. It was so humid. It was so humid. And um, also you shared your balcony with two other rooms because it was like the, you know, the big, long French Quarter balconies. So there were two other rooms on it. And I'm like, well, I don't leave my door open. Somebody stumbles into my room at night when I'm sleeping. The other thought I had was, I'm thinking there might be rats. <laughs> and I don't want a rat to come into my room. So anytime I'd go outside, I'd close the door behind me. I'd stand out there for a few minutes. I'd come back inside. I'd close the door. I'd lock it. So the second night I was there, I was on my bed working on the laptop. I was thinking, oh, I'm not going to go out tonight. I'm not sure, da, da, da. And I see this little black shadow in the corner. And I think, it's nothing. It has to be nothing. You know, I'm, I'm working on a laptop. My eye just glanced up. It's nothing. Two seconds later, a rat runs out from behind the entertainment center. And I just start screaming. And the rat starts running all over the room and I'm standing on the bed and I'm screaming like I'm too scared to get down I called the front desk and I said someone has to come up tell them to just walk in I'm terrified to get off the bed and there's a rat in my room and I want to get relocated so the guy comes in and I and I see it the rat starts running around some more and I'm screaming and then it goes towards the hotel room door which I can't see because there's this little hallway, but then I never see it again. So he comes in and I say, kick everything. I said, kick everything, shake everything. This poor guy, I made him like pick up my shoes and shake them. He was shaking the curtains. He was shaking the shower curtains. It was gone. He said, um, there's a, a gap under the door and they can get in and out. And he says, it doesn't help happen a lot, um, but it happens. You know, these things will or get into the hotels. And I said, that sucks. <laughs> and gross. And he had these little sticky traps. And he goes, I can leave these sticky traps. I'm like, I, I don't think so. Like, I can't just stay in this room. Like, I understand if it's in one room, it can be in another room. But can you move me? So he moved me. And they moved me to a room that was above an alley. And I'm like, I'm leaving tomorrow, whatever. Um, but <laughs> that's my little New Orleans trip. My little New Orleans story. My husband's like, what do you expect? It's on the river. I'm like, I know, and I know it's a thing, but geez, like gross. Uh, the hotel nicely did give me late checkout. So after my conference, I was able to take an hour nap before I had to get on the flight. I flew Southwest home and I had a very pleasant experience with Southwest. When you got on the plane, they were saying, the flight attendant is just announcing over and over again, saying, there's 50 open seats on this flight. Spread out. 
head towards the back. There's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. Just constantly saying it. And I was cracking up because all the people were stopping in the first 10 rows and sitting in middle seats. And I'm like, it's not like the plane is two miles long. I mean, you'll get off pretty quickly. So I headed towards the back. I was maybe three or four rows from the back. No one ever sat with me. It was a delight. It was like flying first class. I used the two seats next to me, put my laptop, put my notebook, all of that. It was great. So very, very pleasant experience in Southwest. And it was a direct flight, so I was home pretty quickly. So those are my time management tips for the week. I really recommend this book, Eat That Frog. Good tips, good tips that you can modify for yourself. I'll be back next week with more time management tips and tips for small business owners. Thank you so much again for listening. I appreciate it. Have a great week. God bless.